For those who fish, this is the Drake Cast, a voice for culture and conservation within fly fishing. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a woman. Could be a disco midge, it could be a bead head. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. So just a quick heads up. This episode is going to be about chasing bass in Southern California. Inspired by the topic matter, the other night I went out to a local lake and did a little bit of bassing myself. Oh, that one nailed it. <laughs> These largemouth were small, dumb, and aggressive as all get out. But there's no way I could have caught them without my Scott Radiant. Made in America for the past four decades, Scott Fly Rods is committed to excellence in their craft even if the fish you're targeting are only mediocre. To try out one of these fine fish poles for yourself, visit your local fly shop or scottflyrod.com. Alrighty, on to the show. In Southern California, it's, it's uh, April right now and it's sunny, it's warm, it's probably 72 degrees right now at eight o'clock in the morning. In April of 2018, I found myself on a dock with this guy. <laughs> Waiting for your bunch of lame asses. <laughs> His name is Vaughn Podmore, and he's a fishing guide based out of Long Beach, California, which is just south of Los Angeles. Though I had never met the man in person, I was pretty familiar with his operation because of the 2015 film titled Salt 365. You know, I have the same stoke as I did when I was five years old, four years old, going fishing. Catalina Island sits 20 miles off one of the largest cities in the world. It's an oasis by itself, unique fishing, uh, just fantastic scenery, and we're fortunate enough to have it, and it's right in our backyard. And in this film, Podmore and a couple other guys cruise out to Catalina Island. Keith looks down on the water and says, Vaughn, you got to see all these Dorada. Now, I'm still at the helm, you know, you know, I look down and I just see the whole paddy's just lit up with, with Dorado. It's kind of almost like a zen feeling that you, that you get and you feel that fish grab. I mean, it's, it's nothing else that can describe just just the way they hit it and eat it so ferociously. Yeah! And straight away, if it's a big fish, it's going to take you straight into the back end. Knowing the film and having watched those 40-inch fish scream line off of Podmore's reel, I was pretty excited to do something similar out on Catalina Island. And on this trip, I wasn't alone. What's up? Hey, hey. How we doing? Good. Rex. Rex, nice to meet you, dude. Yeah, thanks jump for having on. us. Jump right, on, jump let's on. Do it. Let's do it. For those of you unfamiliar with Paul Nicoletti. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And Rex Messing. We were on Huntington Beach for like a total of two hours yesterday, and my back is fried. Completely and total lobster. I worked with these two guys on the fly fishing film tour road crew this past winter and spring. And after a couple showings in Southern California, one of our bosses had hooked us up with Captain Vaughn to go fishing for a day. What a morning. Oh yeah, isn't it right? Beautiful out. Shit couldn't ask for better, man. I know. April, Southern California. <laughs> what are, what's going on today? We're gonna fish the greater harbors of Long Beach and LA. We're gonna target sand bass, calico bass, and whatever else is gonna bite the fly. And when we heard this, we were disappointed. 
Our dreams of the open ocean, Dorado and Big Tuna, evaporated with the morning fog. But what we didn't understand was that there were fish right in front of us. So in this episode of the Drake Cast, we stay close to the shores of greater Los Angeles in search of various forms of sea bass. But that's not all, folks. This episode is a twofer. Once we finish up our time in LA, we'll head south to explore what San Diego Bay has to offer. During our time in these two different chunks of the Pacific Ocean, we'll hear about the local waters, learn a few tips on how to target the species found there, and maybe make you consider what your backyard has to offer. Stick around. Oh, it feels good to be back on a boat. Oh my gosh, man. With our plan set for the day, we motored out of the marina. You want to start? No, I'm going to record. Okay. You guys have to figure it out, and then as soon as you get a couple on. <laughs> Podmore had stationed the boat underneath a series of harbor cranes in the second busiest port on the west coast. Shipping containers floated between stacks as we rigged our rods. Uh, yesterday I had three guys on the boat, both uh right hand casters and I think you can have one person on the back you're gonna have to cast on your backhand that's probably easier um, yeah we'll figure it out we'll make it work be a little bit a little bit of a shit show in the beginning but Hell yeah. Paul and Rex coordinated their back casts while Captain Podmore gave us a few suggestions the first being where are these fish primarily we're gonna be fishing structures so that all be breakwaters rock piles reefs as Vaughn said this, we were casting at a jetty made of boulders. Giant kelp bordered the structure, adding vertical cover for the fish. Uh, we're going to be fishing with eight weight rods, 300 to 350 grain lines. This bit of information doesn't need much of an explainer. But the moral of the story is that the lines we were throwing were super heavy because we needed to get our flies down, way down. Deep soak, majority of the water is 40 to 50 feet. The next piece contains information on the stripping technique. And it's just a pop, pop, and a stop. <laughs> pop, pop, and a stop. <laughs> pop, pop, and a stop. <laughs> I love it. Got a little Irish pop in it. <laughs> but if this method of retrieve wasn't working... Maybe once in a while you can change it up to, to you know, entice the bite, but pretty much it's patience, getting it sink, sink down deep. He also gave us a tip on how the fish were going to be hitting. Given this time of the year, the water is pretty cold, so the fish are pretty lethargic, so it's going to be a soft grab. With that plethora of information in mind, Rex and Paul set about to hook some fish. Nom, 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 and that fly, come on. Eat it, eat it, eat it. And while we were having a good time blind casting, we weren't finding much. I have to start looking at my watch to make sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, you get a little impatient, you know. I know if I'm fishing the island and then transitioning to over here, it's, everything there is like cast, let it sink and strip it. Here it's cast and wait, you know, look at your watch. Even with the 350 grain line, you have to wait a long time to let that fly get down to the fish. Hey, Rexy, I'm going to cast real quick, bud. Don't worry. Then I'll turn the boat a little bit. Lovely. Good job. How long are you going to let it sink before you start stripping, typically? Uh, I'd say 15 to 20 seconds. So we'll get a little closer and I'll show you. You can probably see the kelp line that sits up against the rocks. Well, right now we're in 66 feet of water. It varies in depth along this wall, but typically I'd say about 35 feet is going to be underneath the boat, 40 feet. 
but up against those rocks where we are going to be fishing it's going to be I'd say in the 20s to 30 feet so when you look at the kelp you'll see little lanes in between the kelp that's obviously a good feeding lane ambush lane that's where you want to put the fly if you don't see any you put it on the outside edge and if you do put it on the outside edge let it sink a little longer so I'd say like 25 seconds okay you got to be patient <laughs> I know you're laughing at me because I'm looking at my watch but man it's 20 seconds <laughs> as we waited around for the bite to start Captain Podmore took some more questions and are these resident fish? The calico bass, pretty much, they'll have the same dial code throughout their whole lifespan. They're not going to move around more than, I say, two miles of where they were first born. The sand bass, however, they do move in and out the harbor on the flats in the springtime to spawn. So those fish move around a lot. The calico bass, they're going to be in that same place all the time. He also took this lack of action to educate us on how to approach this fishery. The reason why I said get down here a little later this morning is we're on top of a high tide right now. So tide is really important, moving water to target these fish. Um, slack water, the fish are just pretty lethargic. They're just swimming around aimlessly. So kind of like a trout in essence, you know, with the, with the current moving, head poking into the current. So you want to, you know, get your fly down and hopefully feed it in the right lane. Get bit? Yeah. You pausing quite a bit, Rex? Yep. Paul, put your cast parallel to the outside kelp, straight down here. If you do make a long cast, a nice straight cast, come tight to it, and a lot of times you get hit on the sink. On you don't want to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't want a bunch of slack line. But some of the grabs, they're not going to be aggressive. Yeah. It's just going to be, they're just going to suck on the fly. So that first initial grab may not be solid to where it will grab the hook, and maybe just be a little tap. Uh, obviously everybody does it, lifts on it the first time, but feed it back into the fish. So you pop up, you'll feel that grab, oh, oh, give it a little bit, you know, stutter it, and then you'll grab it again. And you're not going to, you're not going to spook the fish. Okay. I mean, here, whatever you learnt about trout fishing, I tell everyone, just chuck it out the window because you can slap the water all you want. <laughs> Until... So why did everybody get excited all of a sudden? I got tickled. <laughs> Something happened. These flies have so much action to them. Eat it? Yep, he's on. There you go. Yeah, baby. Fish on. That's a little. That's a little sand bass. Dude, that's a beautiful little fish. Look at that thing. Looks like mini grouper. All right, brother. And we're on. Came into this little corner. There's just fish everywhere. And everywhere they were. Oh yeah, dude. All right, there. That's a pretty decent tug right there. The tug is the drug. <laughs> on the drop, right on the edge of that kelp again. Oh yeah, dude. That's a, that's a nice one. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Bon. Dude, what kind of fish were those? Those were sand bass. It says three species in California. Sand bass, calico bass, spotted bay bass. These sand bass right now are in the harbors, primarily in the wintertime, November through April, and they start to move out. So these little fishes, probably come the springtime, they'll be ready to move out into the Huntington Flats, what's called the mud flats to spawn. You know, they, they're little tuggers, they're aggressive little buggers, and they get up to probably 13 pounds. We haven't seen any big fish for the last couple of years though, but there are you know, some three to five pounders in the harbor right now, so hopefully we'll come tight to those. 
And while we were casting away, Paul's level of stoke continued to climb. What you're about to hear is a quick sound collage of Paulie in his prime. They're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. <laughs> Sweet dude, hey, thanks brother. <laughs> no more bites? All right, let's move a couple more feet. Boom. Yeah, dude, that was a good shot. Boom. But a lot of those fish were just like hit on the drop. <laughs> I work with what I got. <laughs> I'm just gonna pretend like nothing's happening and just really just let it sink. <laughs> yeah! Woo! We're locked. How you like me now? How you like me now? Mormon soak. Oh, there was a there was that. Was that the spot that's been hot lately that you said farther up is where it gets hot? Pretty much, I like fishing that section, but the last couple weeks, last month, this section from here down to the corner has been a, been a better bite for what reason, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe most guys in the harbor tend to fish that corner up there, you know, and those fish have got some serious toothache that they, they don't want to feed, but this section for me has been good. And from there on out, the fishing was pretty stellar. After landing several more bass, we motored a few miles across the bay and anchored under the watchful eye of the recently renovated Los Angeles Harbor Lighthouse. While the entire break wall seemed identical to the untrained eye, Podmore ensured us that this was a hot spot. We are cruising by all this kelp and this riprap, yet we're stopping at specific spots. Why are we hitting these spots? It's just key areas, you know, it's, it's like anything, I guess if you break a river down, you know, you got your, your upper head of the pool, the lower head of the pool, the middle section is going to be dead. Even though there may be fish spread out through that zone, you know, this is just key areas. You've got a point, you've got current coming around a point, obviously prime ambush point for, for, uh, for the calico bass, sand bass, bait getting pushed around with the wind, so yeah, that's, you know, that's why I stopped. As we motored over to the oil drilling platforms that have been designed to look like tropical islands, military helicopters flew overhead, and seabirds trailed the boat looking for scraps. It was a completely unique experience for us. To Captain Podmore, the appeal of fishing the harbor is the variety and its proximity to town. It's, it's wintertime fishing, not going to expect a bunch of fish. Yesterday I think we got 20 fish, the biggest being 3 pounds, you know, the average I'd say six to 12 inches, you know, but uh, saltwater fish, they pull hard, little scrappers. And you never know what else you're gonna catch. There's, there's halibut in the harbor, there's white sea bass, there's barracuda, so, you know, things are starting to pop right now. There's a lot of bait that's just moved in the, in the harbor over the last two weeks, so it's kind of getting the bite going though. Despite the quality and diversity of the fishery, we encountered only one other boat during our time on the water. While some of the jetties overflowed with bait fishermen perched on Home Depot buckets, if you went just a hundred yards past the marinas, it seemed that the entire ocean was ours. Dude, what a beautiful day, man. I'm just so happy to be out. <laughs> yeah. All our friends are trying to fish the squala hatch on the Bitterroot in Missoula and it's just shitting snow on them. Yeah, they're still getting pounded. Holy East God. Coast, too. Connecticut got snow like three or four days ago. This is a little better. This is an obvious spot for a break, but when we come back, we'll head further down the California coast in search of some more backyard bass. So don't go anywhere, folks. This episode of the DrakeCast is made possible by the one-man fly fishing apparel company, Deli Fresh Design, which handcrafts fly wallets, 
bags, and beer koozies out of recycled materials right in the heart of Denver, Colorado. And today, we're gonna take a quick walk through the Deli Fresh Design manufacturing process. So every bag starts with a pattern. It is then cut out of the material, whether it's waders, sailcloth, whatever. And then once that's done, I'll head over to the sewing machine. So this is a Singer sewing machine that was built in the 1950s in uh, West Germany. We're so close to the South Platte here that it usually ends up go fishing and try to see if I can catch some fish and if the product works. And right now, Deli Fresh Design is doing a pretty cool promotion. On July 25th, a special listener of the Drake cast will win a free fly wallet and beer koozie, both made out of recycled waders. To qualify, hop on the old Instagram and follow at Deli Fresh Design. Find the promo post about this giveaway, tag a friend in the comments, and you could be the most stylish person on your local water. In the story you just heard, Paul, Rex, and I caught fish in Long Beach Harbor. But that's not really what happened. The truth is, Captain Podmore caught those fish. Because without him, we wouldn't have had any idea where to look. You know who can hook you up with the right captain? Why, it's Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures, of course. No matter where you want to go, Yellow Dog works with the best guides, lodges, and captains in the business. Because let's face it, sometimes we all need that insider knowledge to really make the trip come together. To start planning your adventure, visit them online at yellowdogflyfishing.com or on social media at yellowdogflyfishing. The day after fishing Long Beach Harbor with Captain Podmore, Rex, Paul, and I cruised further south. Where are we? San Diego Bay Harbor. Yeah, sorry, I didn't realize you were right. All good. <laughs> I didn't mean to give you such a sarcastic response. Uh, it's capturing racks. <laughs> yep. I'm guessing this is the boat launch, huh, Rex? Yeah, we're looking for uh, our friend Alex. He's based at Encinitas, California. He guides for Mako sharks, go bass, and carp typically. Yeah. And eventually, we found ourselves on a boat with this guy. I was literally out there, just like, rip, 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 pause, and then just getting blasted by these <laughs> thug bluegill. I think I got one that was close to two pounds. This is Captain Alex Caddy. When he's not working at the fly stop, he guides the waters around San Diego in search of anything that swims. But when he started his guiding career, he was a little further north. Grew up just regular fishing all around in Orange County, but I'd go up to Mammoth a lot. As I was getting older, I kind of was figuring out how to how to fly fish, you know. Eight years old, nine years old, started doing that more and more, and then uh, trout fishing and perch fishing along there. And then I'd do a lot of ocean stuff, fishing uh, where I grew up in Huntington Beach and Newport Bay. And then I was lucky enough to have my Uncle Ed take me out all the time and go out tuna fishing. So I grew up doing a bunch of tuna here down here in San Diego, all over the place on fish. And I'm, I like to put it kind of like Mike Iaconelli. I'm a junk fisherman. I'm not great at one thing, but dang, if I can't do a bunch of different fish <laughs> styles of fishing. And then started becoming interested in guiding. Was lucky enough to approach the owner of uh, where I started, the trout fitter at the time, and I was able to start working there. Moved up to Mammoth, and then uh, finally started guiding for trout up there. And I lived up there for a while. I was up there guiding consistently till 2012, I believe before I came back down here. And then I really decided to make the move and come down to Orange County again. I wanted to start guiding, doing ocean stuff and bass. And then finally started working at the fly stop here a little over four years ago. 
And that's where I really took the ocean fishing a lot more seriously and come out here a lot more. And one of the main reasons that Caddy came down to San Diego is the variety of fishing that the area offers. Diversity. Diversity is in the big thing. I can go out one day and start the morning out and you know, do bay bass and inshore stuff. As the sun comes up, once the sun's starting to get up, tide picks in, I can head out and do mako shark fishing. Catch a mako shark, come in, you know, a little after lunch, go out and go bass and carp fishing. And I can end the day going out and fishing trout in the small streams back behind in Palomar and Idlewild. There's not too many places where you can do that in one day. So what species do you guys catch out of this bay? The main one is uh, spotted bay bass. I mean, it's kind of a unique fishery to Southern California, but they're also down in Mexico and places. But that's the big bad boy. For people that haven't seen it, I think the best way to explain it is spotted bay bass are a cross between a bass and a rainbow trout. They have kind of dots on them like a rainbow would, but have the body profile of a bass. And man, they just tug and hit. Like I said, not long prolonged fights, but they hit a fly like it owes them money. They fight like a little mini linebacker and then you bring them in. And then your fun species that you'll get, the Corvina. The Corvina is just like a speckled sea trout, but more of a silver color. They don't have any dots on them, have the same teeth. And then we'll come into halibut. That's our flatfish out here. Here, we had to take a brief pause as a Chinook helicopter, not the salmon, flew overhead. Yeah. Yet another reminder of how close we were to civilization. Yeah. So halibut, um, that's our flatfish out here. It's a different species than what you get in Alaska, so they don't get quite as big. Whoop, there's another hit. Eelgrass. They're really cool, you know, we'll see them most of the time anywhere from 8 inches up to about 20 inches is the a, is a norm that we'll see them, but it's not uncommon to see a 10 or 15 pound, you know, 30 inch fish pop out, which is always makes for a fun day. Halibuts! <laughs> a specific subpopulation of halibut, not that Alaskan halibut, that California halibut. And what, uh, what size were we bringing those fish? Oh, dude, I'm talking about a solid four to eight inches. Real big halibuts. Real nice halibuts. <laughs> then when you get them back, you'll have the yellowfin croaker, which is same thing like a redfish, just silver and a yellow tail. They're more aggressive. Man, they, they'll pull like the Dickens too, big time. Man, I got to think about all the different species out here that we do get. You will see some calicos back here and some sand bass but not too much. You have to go a little bit more in the openings out towards the rock ledges. And believe it or not, there are bonefish swimming around San Diego Bay. What's going on with the bonefish around here? Can you talk a little bit about the bonefish? San Diego bonefish out here. So it's the Cortez strain of bonefish. It's not like the Grand Bahama stuff. These fish sit deeper normally. They look like bonefish though, right? Oh yeah, they're bonefish. They look exactly like them. Different coloration? Yeah, there's a, a tan color, tannish to a light brown. Yeah. They will normally sit along drop-offs in three to 20 feet of water. We've gotten them all the way out to 25 feet of water. And what kind of flies do they grab? Clousers, man. Yeah, brown and orange, chartreuse and white. They eat bait fish. They eat um, razor clams. They'll eat a lot of ghost shrimp. And how do they fight? They fight pretty good. They'll give you a good pull. Nothing like the Bahamian bonefish at all, because they're not running for their life every day. It's not like that, like a bird or anything like that. It's like time to get out of there. Yeah. No. 
Winter, nice. That's a little bit better fish. Ooh, that's a solid fish. Ooh, there's a bite. Oh, come on. Are we gonna do that again? Hey, there we go. Nice. The most I've ever had in one day out here is 11 species in one day. Eight of the species came on the fly. Spotted bay bass. Species one. Calico bass. Species two. Sand bass. Species three. The big three on that one. Halibut. Species four. Corvina. Species five. White sea bass. Species six. Oh, not. Oh! Bonita. Species seven. Barracuda. Species eight. I got a ray that day. Species nine. Got an octopus as well. I... Species ten. Oh, dang. I just got hit. Um, yeah, Lord. And then leopard shark on that day, too. Species 11. Uh, that one didn't come on the fly either. That's quite the day. One thing that both Podmore and Caddy mentioned was that when you're fishing the ocean, you always have a shot at something big. Otherworldly, perhaps. It's just, you just don't know what's going to show up out here. That's the awesome thing is like, normally you're like, oh yeah, spotty, spotty, and all of a sudden something goes bump and the night hits. And it's game on. While this story is specifically about LA and San Diego, the real issue at hand here is that nearly every urban center has an if not great, then at least unique fishery within walking distance of your home. Go catch some carp in the Phoenix Canals, hook a steelhead in downtown Portland, snag a striper in Boston Harbor, floss a shad on the Potomac in DC. You don't always need to get out of town to escape. Go find what's swimming in your backyard couple of thank yous today. Obviously, this episode wouldn't have been possible without Captain Vaughn Podmore. If you're going to be in the LA area and want to target local bass or the tuna, dorado, and squid of Catalina Island, look him up. Also, many thanks to Captain Alex Caddy, who works with the Fly Stop in San Diego. We had a great time cruising the harbor with you. You can find a link to both of these fine skippers on our website, drakemag.com. It's there that you can also find photos from our time on the water with these two captains. As well as links to our sponsors, who we gotta thank. Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures, Scott Fly Rods, and Deli Fresh Design. This whole thing wouldn't be possible without them. And finally, Rex and Paul, thanks for the good times on the road. I hope you're enjoying yourselves guiding up in Alaska. As of right now, we haven't solidified next week's episode, but let's hope it's worthwhile. In the meantime, thanks for listening. This has been The Drake Cast.